so excited to have you online with us this morning also. We're so excited to be here and to hear God's word this morning and to worship our loving Jesus. I'm so excited. We have a baptism today. I'm excited. Oh, we don't today? Oh, well, I thought we did. <laughs> Next time. Anyway, everybody stand. We'll go ahead and get started on our worship this morning.
take a second. Huh? Oh. 
going to take a second to talk about why we're worshiping. sound guy. Um, might as well take a seat. Um, so this is uh, a revelation that God gives to Isaiah like 700 years before Jesus. So listen to this. This is Isaiah 53.3. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, with deepest grief, he was turned. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we didn't care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles was a punishment from God, a punishment of his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was made as an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all sins, and I will give him honors the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. We are the rebels. We are the ones that, that he had to die for. He had to take our sins and die for. So I want to suggest to you guys this morning that we're worshiping him not out of obedience because he, he says that he's worthy of it. But we're worshiping him in in a response to what he's done for us. We we would just be fouled without him. I don't know what else to say. There's there would be no hope without him, and and that's why we're here worshiping this morning. Um, and I want to keep remembering that through the week because this is like thirty minutes of worship here, and we've got like hundred hours or something in the. Like throughout our every every part of our life, our our silly little decisions we make in the day, our our service, our our finances, everything. 
So, I don't know, that's all I got. But just keep that in mind. Like, we're not doing this. This should come from a heart of, I want to do this because he did that for me. Not because it's the rules and it's what I got to do. So, that's it. Thank you.
Psalms 21.1 is the pilgrim song. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. Not on your life. I love this version. God's your guardian right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. Praise and thanksgiving. 
If you're in a fight right now, why don't you just take a moment and give him some praise, amen? amen? Just give him some glory, give him some honor, come on. Lift his name up high, come on. you we're not just playing we love you we love what you've done for us 
We did not deserve it, but you still died to pay for our sins. We love you, Jesus. You're there to encourage us every day. You've never left us nor forsaken us. How we love you, Jesus. How we love you. How we love you, Jesus. How we love you. Come on, church. How we love you. Let him know. Let him hear it from the bottom of your heart. Let him hear it. This is Tess Hall, first time I've actually used that name. She's, uh, she'll, I'll let her introduce herself and hopefully the mic will work. Hello and welcome. Uh, yes, I'm still getting used to that myself. Um, I am a teacher at Astoria High School and I'm also the FFA advisor. And so, <laughs> thank you. Um, I was asked to come up today and pray for Astoria High School and the school district, but um, something I want to point out is I'm not piggybacking kind of off of Krista said last week. I'm not just up here to pray for our school district. Uh, being an FFA advisor, I come in contact with a lot of schools across our state and uh, constantly interacting with other teachers from those areas too. And something I think that that has brought light to me is that uh, what's happening here in Astoria is something that's happening across our states and our country. And so um, I had some points that I put on my phone. <laughs> um, so today I just want to kind of pray, and if you would pray with me, please. Father, I pray that you are offering protection and comfort from this world and that you are a presence within our students. I pray that there are leaders within our school district that are there to be Christ-like examples and that those students who feel that as well can help spread that love that God shows us every single day. I pray that you are constantly offering wisdom for our administration and school board members as they are making so many decisions to impact our students. I pray that you are offering grace and understanding, that our educators and staff are there for our students, and that they are constantly showing that love that Jesus shows to us. Lord, I pray that throughout these weeks as we are getting into the groove of a new school year that you are showing up and that we can feel that presence constantly wrapping us up. Lord, I pray these in Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's the greatest mission field we have. It's the most difficult mission field we have. I'm going to put my glasses on so I'm going to look like an old man. 
Nobody laughed at that. That means I am an old man. I went out to lunch with my brother, who's 67. He's an old man. And we talked about our meds. In fact, this morning I'm standing around a bunch of old men and we're talking about our meds. It's like, I called uh, Fred Myers to have a med medicine refilled and they said, which one? It's not really that funny, but you kind of got to laugh because you don't have an option. All I need now is a pill to make me laugh about getting pills. Hope you guys had a great week. Hope God's been good to you. I, uh, I'm kind of in a place where I'm not really preaching a series. I'm just kind of preaching what's on my heart. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about faith this week. And not just... Um, your faith, but my faith. And it's easy to say you have faith. Is it not? It's a little different when it has to become a work. When you actually have to live according to what you say you believe. Am I the only one that has that problem? I mean, some of you might be super Christians and you're way better at this than I am, but... But when everything's going good, I can have a great faith. I can have the best faith ever. But when things start getting tough and things start getting difficult, and I actually have to trust and rely on the Word of God, it's easier said than done. And in that idea, I, I read a story that I've read several times, and I, I love the story. It's one of my favorite ones. It's on Peter walking on water. I don't know if you've had the faith to try to walk on water, to actually try to do the act. Okay, I'm the only one that did that too, so. But I, I want to use Peter's story to kind of identify some strengths about faith, but also some weaknesses that have to do with our faith. And to give you the, I, the background before I read the passage, it's Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Jesus just fed the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and some fish, a few fish. Some little boy gave up his lunch to feed 5,000 people, and they had enough, they had more than enough, and that would be enough to encourage my faith. Don't you think, like if God showed up and he just gave you more than enough, and he gave you more than enough out of nothing that you had, wouldn't you be strengthened in your faith? Wouldn't you say, man, I really, I'm going to, believe this God because look at what he can do with nothing because God can make a lot out of nothing and I can just keep going on with that subject but that's not the point today but after he fed the 5,000 and their faith was encouraged the Bible says that he made the disciples get in the boat to go before him on the other side well let's read the story Matthew 14 verse 22 immediately he made the disciples get into the boat sometimes we've got to be forced to have faith Amen? Amen? Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. He put them in the midst of a trial. Amen? 
He made them get into the midst of a trial. But when the disciples, oops, I'm sorry, in the fourth watch at night, he came to them walking on the sea. He's Jesus. He can do that, right? He's He's not controlled by what is natural. He created nature. So he can do whatever he wants to with whatever he made. You and I don't have that same ability without him. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, because that would freak me out. (laughs) They were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And I just want to take this from Jesus's angle. All of a sudden he's walking along on the sea and he's coming upon the disciples and all he hears them doing is screaming and crying and wailing from his perspective. That must have seemed odd to him. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. And and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Have you ever cried that one out? Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus made the disciples get in the boat to go before him on the other side, and he went to pray. When Jesus is praying, that's a good thing for us. He promises that he would be praying for us. In fact, he intercedes in heaven for us. When he's done praying, he walked on the water out to them, already afraid of the storm. They were even more terrified at the presence of Jesus, thinking the ghost. They cried out in fear. See, what I see in this passage, this picture, is they were more afraid of the supernatural than the natural. They were more afraid of the supernatural than the natural. Their faith was more in what the natural was happening. The storm, the winds, the waves... They were more freaked out by Jesus walking on water. But Peter shows us something a little bit different than the other disciples. I think he decided to put to this, uh, put this to a test by faith. And that's what I think God is trying to do in all of our lives. He's trying to get us to live by faith. Not by putting us in bad situations, but by having us actually test the faith that we have to see if it's not just words, if we actually would put works to that. Not works to earn faith, but works to say we so believe that, that Jesus, in Jesus' words that we will live according to those things. So let's look at Peter's life real quick, or this Peter's story right here in this moment. Because I want you to see that Peter had a bold faith. Peter had a bold faith. Verse 27 says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. The word command means order me. Order me to come to you on the water. That's a bold faith. That's a bold faith to say, I will believe, if you tell me to go, I'll go. If you say it, Jesus, if you you just tell me to come, and I'm going to get out of this boat, 
to do something that is supernatural, I'll get out of the boat and do it. Now, Jesus walks on the water. That's a miracle. But again, he's the son of God and God the son. There's nothing he can't do. Do you believe that today? There's nothing he can't do. He can control what he created. But Peter's human with human limitations. Yet he asked to step into the supernatural. He asked to step into something that he was out of his control. I wish we were more bold in our faith. I wish we had that kind of faith to believe what Jesus said enough that we would step out of a perfectly good boat and stand on perfectly good water that naturally shouldn't hold us up. I think sometimes we wait for problems to force us to have faith. And we would ask Jesus to order us, uh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. I'd love to see us ask Jesus to order us to step out into the supernatural, to step out into faith. So I, I just thought this, when was the last time you asked Jesus to make you uncomfortable? I know we pray, Jesus, make me comfortable, make me rich, make me healthy, make me smart. But when was the last time you said, Jesus, I want to be, I want to believe what you say, and it makes me uncomfortable to do this. When was the last time you sought him to test your faith with the impossible? When was the last time you said, this is impossible. I want to see, I know what your word says about it. I want to, I want to trust your word in such a way. Put me in a position to where I have to trust you. See, I think most people choose not to put themselves into situations that are difficult on purpose. So we never take any real risk where fear would be a factor because of your faith. So we say we have faith, but we never actually step into any kind of faith that requires us to actually act upon his word. How do you know if your faith is bold? I think it's if you get out of the boat or not. You can say this is what Jesus said. And sit in the boat and say it. But what about getting out? And when you get out, I, th I think this. I, I, see, I see in my own life I've done this a lot. There's times that I just jump out of the boat. Jesus said it. Yeah, let's do it. This is awesome. Right? Jesus said it. I, I just believe it and I, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to jump out of the boat. I'm going to look like a crazy man. People are going to think I'm stupid, but I don't care. Jesus said it. That settles it. Let's do it. But then there's the other times where I hang my feet over the edge of the boat and I kind of touch the water to see if it's going to hold me up. I think there's a lot of believers who claim to be believers who spend our life testing the word of God, softly dipping your toes into the truth. You don't just jump into it. You just softly tip your toes into the truth. I want to believe this. I want to believe this. I want to believe this, but I don't really believe it. And we say we have faith. Are you the one who says you have faith, but you never think about asking him to get you out of the boat? Like you say you believe this book. You say you believe the word of God, but you would never actually take a step out of the comfort of the boat, which is still in the midst of a storm. 
Think about it. There was a boatload of disciples who followed Jesus the same as Peter. There's 11 of them who stayed in the boat. The same disciples who argued over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The same ones who fought over who was going to be the best, who was going to be the greatest. Peter says, Jesus, if, it, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. So that's my King James coming out. But nobody else got out. Is that the number one to 11? Like one disciple will actually live by faith and the other 11 will sit in the boat? Hey, I know there's times I've sat in the boat. I've sat there and watched people get out. Live by faith. But there's been times that I've gotten out and nobody else has followed me. Peter asked Jesus if he could come to the water and none of the other disciples asked if they could come too. What would happen if all of us got out of the boat at the same time? How awesome would that be? Instead of watching somebody else live by faith, we could actually all watch each other live by faith. And how encouraging would that be? Now, the disciples, I thought about this, they had faith, but it's a dry ground faith. As long as everything's solid underneath me, I'm going to believe. As long as my checking account's full, I'm going to trust God in, with my finances. But if, if it's not full, a little shaky then. I'm going to trust him with forgiveness as long as it's easy for me to forgive. But if somebody hurts me really deeply or really harshly, then I'm going to choose not to forgive them. I'm going to trust what the word of God says about forgiving each other, but I'm not going to always do it because, you know, it's hard to live by faith. They had faith, but it was a dry ground faith. It was a faith of words, not works. I'm not saying we shouldn't trust the word of Jesus. When he says, come, come. But you've got to get out of the boat, otherwise the word is just a word. That you say, Jesus said to come, but I never did step out in the boat and test it. He had a bold faith, and we can't forget that. Some of you have bold faith. Some of you have trusted him in ways that I'm like, I, I would probably not be able to do that. But you did. You trusted what the word of God said, and you stepped out of that boat. And you, you jumped out. You didn't even tip your toes in it. And I, I'm back there tipping my toes in the water. I believe it, but yeah, you know. Doesn't seem wise. Have you ever put yourself in a position to where you might sink? By faith. You just, I mean, if, if, this, if the word of God fails, I'm going to drown. That's a bold faith. That's what Peter had. His faith was specific. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. It's specific in who he was having faith in. He wasn't having faith in himself. He was having faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, if it's you, command me. Lord, if it's you, command me. Lord, if it's you, command me. When was the last time you said, Lord, if it's you, command me? And I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust what you say. I'm going to lay my life on the line for what you say, what you asked of me. I know you're, you're, you're telling me to do something. I'm just going to obey it because I'm trusting you. I'm not trusting me. I'm not trusting my abilities to walk on water because I can't walk on water without you. So I thought about this. 
Let me read the passage. I'm sorry. There's a story in Mark chapter 9 and verse 20 where the Bible says this, and he brought a boy to him, and when the Spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed in the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming about the mouth. The disciples couldn't get this demon out of this boy. So they brought the boy to Jesus. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to one who believes. All things are possible to one who believes. Jesus said, if you believe what I'm saying, if you believe who I am, if you believe what I do, then all things are possible. And the all things are in reference to the things that Jesus has promised. When Jesus said, come to Peter, that meant Jesus promised Peter, I'm, I want you to come to me. And that meant that Peter was going to make it to Jesus based on the words of Jesus, not the words of Peter. Are you with me? So let me ask you this. Do you trust the promises of Jesus in regards to salvation? Do you trust what he says about salvation? For God so loved the world. Jesus said this. this. These are the words of Jesus. We read this all the time, and I think we've made it our own words, but these are Jesus' words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, speaking of himself, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Do you believe that the world might be saved through Jesus Christ? Amen. Do you believe that the world can be forgiven of sin through Jesus Christ? Then why aren't you sharing Jesus with people? If you believe it, what are you doing with it? Now, you might receive it for yourself with praise God. We want you to do that. We want you to receive Christ as your Savior. But what if... What if you know it and you don't share it with somebody who doesn't know it? I mean, if it's true, God loves the world. So much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. But of everlasting life. That's the promise of God through Jesus Christ. But how many of us hold off on that because we don't, you know, we don't know what to say? We don't know what to do with it. We think God sent his son into the world to condemn the world. Like, but he did it in order that the world might be saved. Politics will not save the world. Jesus will. I'm not trying to be... I'm just saying, honestly, the world needs Jesus. You want to stop a war? They need Jesus. You want to heal the sick? They need Jesus. You want help with all this mental health problems in America? Jesus. Do you believe that? And what are you doing with it? How about in regards to sacrifice? I love this. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 29, the words of Jesus. He said, Jesus, it says Jesus said, so it's not me saying what Jesus says. Jesus said, Truly I say unto you that there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions 
and in the ages to come, eternal life. If you sacrifice your life for Jesus, what are you losing? Because his promise is you're not going to lose anything. You actually, actually might gain something called persecution. That's how you know you're living by faith. You're being persecuted. Because you so believe in what you believe that you're living according to what you believe and it makes people angry. People get angry when you, when you represent Jesus well. But how difficult is this for, for us to actually live by faith and give up the things that we hold greater value than we do Jesus Christ himself? If he asked you to sacrifice, would you live by faith? Get out of the boat, walk on the water. What about suffering? John chapter 16, 33, Jesus said, I've said these things to you that, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. It's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to suffer. You're going to struggle. But he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you really believe that? Or in your suffering, you're always trying to get out of the suffering, get out of the struggle, get out of the difficulty, and complain and whine to God about how unfair it is, how you just want to, because this is my complaint to him all the time, and my leadership has heard me say it several times. I just want a year of peace. The problem is he's already promised me peace. In the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the suffering, how he's overcome the world. Whatever difficulty you're going through, whatever um, problem you're facing, whatever tribulation you're experiencing, he's already won. But how often do we sit depressed and discouraged and doubt-filled? We say we believe, but we don't accept the suffering that comes with living in this world. Can you say, Lord, if it's you, command me? Lord, if it's you, command me. Lord, if it's you, Jesus, if it's you, command me. I will obey what you say because you are my Lord and Savior. I'm not trusting in what I think or what I see or what I feel. I'm trusting in everything that you say. I'm trusting your word. You say, come, I'm getting out of the boat. Verse 29 says, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Can I help with this? Peter didn't even think about getting out of the boat without Jesus saying, come. Because it was the power of Jesus that made the difference. Do you have a Jesus if you say so faith? Do you have the kind of faith that says, Jesus said it. I'm just going to trust his word. He said, come. So I got out of the boat. But Peter's faith was real. The Bible says in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. I'm going to make a statement. Faith that has no fear generally requires no faith at all. Faith that has no fear generally requires no faith at all. Throughout the scriptures, faith and fear are coupled together. You read story after story after story about men and women in the Bible who had to live by faith, but there was fear in them. It was a part of the process. 
I'm not saying it should always be there. I'm saying that it is there. Peter's faith took him out of a perfectly good boat and onto a stormy sea. That would make me scared just thinking about it. These were not calm waters. Now, it's natural for faith to carry some fear. Because Peter, as a human, wrestled with his flesh in this issue of faith. And when I listen to people say, I just believe it and I, and I never doubt it, you're probably not living by faith. You're probably not putting yourself into a position where you've got get to get out of some perfectly good boat and walk on water in the midst of a storm. See, the natural being Peter's flesh is filled with anxiety. We naturally have fear of things. I mean, actually, I, I watched some videos recently of some kids doing some things on bicycles, and I'm thinking, you're, you're, you're not living by faith. You're living by stupidity. <laughs> right? There's things I would, never, I would just never put myself in that position, but they do some amazing things because they believe they're going to land on two wheels. And they'll trust in this bike. With, they'll trust their bodies with this bike that could break them up and tear them apart. See, I believe this. I, I'll make a statement. This is my idea of this moment in, in, in Peter's life. I'm trusting the word of God, but I'm trembling while I'm doing it. Because I put myself into a position where I so want to trust God, but... There's some fear in this. What if it doesn't work? Have you ever said that to yourself? Like, what if this doesn't work out? What if I trust him? What if I get out of the boat and I sink? Because that's exactly what happened. I know we walk by faith, not by sight. But I'm not a blind man. Yet. Give me time. I can say I believe the words of Jesus through the words of Jesus that I can walk on water. But getting out of the boat, how do I respond when I see the winds and the waves? And I begin to sink. I know what he said, but I know what I see. Have you said that before? I know what he said, but I know what I see. And I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust what he says, but I've got this reality that's going on in me that I'm, I'm still a little bit scared. See, we wrestle with who do I trust more? Do I trust him or do I trust me? And I've been doing this a long time and I still wrestle with that moment. I, I want to trust his word. I want to trust him fully. I want to trust him wholly. But sometimes I see things that are like, I don't know, winds, waves, storm, walking on water, not stable. Where's my cane? <laughs> see, I can't walk on water on myself. I can only trust in the one who says come. I can't control the wind nor the height of the waves. I can't control the situation. I can only trust the one who says come. And I think it's natural to feel some anxiety when stepping in the midst of the supernatural. Because we're not used to dwelling there. We're not used to living there. We're, not used, to, we're, we're used to obeying his word because we can see it's going to work out. We don't obey his word when we don't know whether it's going to work out or not. 
See, I think a real faith knows who it's relying on, but still wrestles with the real flesh. Okay, that one didn't go over very well. Because I also want to share that Peter's faith was right. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him and saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Do you know, when in trouble, Peter knew who to call because he was trusting in the word of the one who said to come out of the boat. See, you call upon the one who called you. You call out God's promises. You call out what he's already said and say, listen, you said this was going to happen. Peter didn't try to swim his way out of this problem by swimming in his own power, try to swim his way out. We do that sometimes when we begin to take a step of faith and it begins to fail. We'll try to swim our way out of it. We'll try to solve our own problems. Instead of trusting God, we'll, trust, we'll fall back into trusting ourselves. Peter didn't turn back to a boat full of disciples who wouldn't get out of the boat. Peter called on the one who promised him to come out on the water. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. I am not my savior when I live by faith. You are not my savior when I live by faith. Jesus is my savior when I live by faith. He's the one that I trust. He's the one that I'm relying on. He's the one that I'm looking to. I'm not trying to swim my way out of it. And I'm not trying to get you to save me and pull me out of it. I want to trust Jesus because he's the one that said, come when I asked him to. I don't think Jesus always seems close when I take a step of faith, but he always shows up when I stumble. He always shows up when I stumble. So that should give us more confidence to have more faith because he's going to show up and reach out his hand and immediately grab a hold of us. When I'm sinking and fearful, it's Jesus that reaches out to save me. That's the right kind of faith. And finally, we'll go home early. Well, I think this is early. <laughs> Peter's faith was weak. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Nobody wants to hear this from Jesus. Nobody wants to hear, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But I got to defend a little bit. Peter did have a get out of a perfectly good boat to walk on water. And he's the only one. To experience the possible, sometimes you have to start with the promise of Jesus. But Jesus couldn't even comprehend how Peter could doubt him. And I, and I think about this, how often Jesus says, why are you doubting me? Has Jesus ever lied to you? Anybody in the room, has Jesus ever lied to you? Then why do we doubt him in any way, shape, or form? If he's never lied, if he's always been there, if he's never left us nor forsake us, why would we think he's left us and forsake us if he never has before? I mean, it's, it's like Jesus is like, what? <laughs> You were walking on water, dude. How cool was that? Why did you doubt? Just because of a storm? Just because of some winds and because of some waves? See, it seems like a big step of faith to you and me, but to Jesus, it was a little faith. I think getting out of a perfectly good boat and jumping on the water and walking towards Jesus in the midst of a storm is crazy faith. I think like I would, I would love to kind of see us do that. But to Jesus, it was nothing. 
See, for him to fulfill his promises to us is nothing. He will keep his word. He can't lie. He's never left you. He loves you. But he wants you to get out of the boat. To do something with your faith more than just say you've got it. He wants you to do more than be one of the disciples sitting in the boat. Who at the, at the end, I, I love this, this part of the end. I've got to put my glasses on because I can't see. And those, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Surprise, surprise. The storm stops when Jesus gets close. Amen? And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Sure, sitting in the comfort of the boat. Now you worship him. How many of you this last week experienced Jesus in such a powerful way that when you came in here, you couldn't help, you couldn't wait to just give him more worship together. You, you, you brought friends together and you said, Let, let's worship Jesus together because he did some amazing things with me this week. He showed up. I, I lived by, I tested him. I lived by faith. I asked him to get, you know, for me to come to get out of the boat. I got out of the boat. I began to sink. Yeah, I screwed up a little bit, but he reached down and saved me and forgave me because that's what he does. How many of you just couldn't wait to get in here? But how many of you worshipped him and Jesus did nothing in your life this week? Like you, you don't even remember what I preached last Sunday, let alone anything that you experienced with Jesus during the week. Like maybe you learned something new, but you didn't live it. You watched Jesus do something with somebody else, but never actually lived by faith yourself. See, I think I would love to see a church full of people who experience Jesus in such a powerful way by, listen, if I got out of a boat and walked on the water, even if I sunk, I'm telling you how awesome that was. I'm going to make sure Jesus gets a lot of praise and honor and glory and, and, and I'm going to make sure that my worship is loud and obnoxious. But most of us just sat in the boat this week. Come on. I mean, do you really believe the word of God? Do you really believe the word of God? Or do we live with that sinking feeling that some of us will never really live by faith? See, you either get that sinking feeling by not living by faith or you get that sinking feeling because you live by faith. Which one is it? Faith can be terrifying. It can be terrifying to the flesh. But you're trusting in what he says, not what you see. And if you stumble, all you got to do is call out, reach out, and he'll save you. What's he asking of you this week? What was he working on you with this last week? Maybe something in the word inspired you to take a step of faith. Why didn't you take that step? Peter is not the perfect Christian. I think Peter is more the average Christian than normal Christian. 
See, if I wrote this story, I would have had Peter walking on the water and successfully meeting Jesus and saying, yeah, look how awesome Jesus is because Peter made it without sinking. I like that Jesus throws in the truth of the fact that faith is not easy. But it's necessary. Sometimes you have to step into the supernatural and step out of the natural. What is Jesus asking of you today? What's he asking? What's he wanting to see? What step is he asking you to take that you've been putting off and you've been putting it away and you've been setting it aside? And he says, I want you to trust my word. I know you're probably going to get that sinking feeling. But get out of the boat. See what Jesus can do. See if you really trust his word. You won't sink. Well, I take it back. You will sink, but you won't drown. If you're trusting his word and not your own. Let's stand, please. Father, the potential in this room to glorify your name through steps of faith is great. But I wonder if you're surprised by the fact that sometimes we just don't live by faith. That we say we believe, Jesus, that we say we believe But we never ask you, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. How many people in this world, how many children in this room, children of the parents of this room need to see their parents live by faith, to see us get out of the, that we would be the example of Peter, Father. that we would get out of that boat and show our kids that you can trust the word of God. If, if there's anything this world needs, Jesus, is a people who live according to your word and trust it in such a way that they will ask you to step them out of the natural into the supernatural. That, Father, there's lives that need to be transformed that we can't transform in the natural, that you can transform in the supernatural. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are past, well, behold, all things are become new. Jesus, what could we accomplish if we would just live by faith? Let us not, Father, let us not have that sinking feeling because we know we're not living by faith. But let us have that sinking feeling because we are. Let us show our faith by our works. That we really trust you, that we want to obey you, that we want to step out in faith today. Encourage our hearts. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've been struggling with faith, why don't you ask Jesus today to bid you to come, to challenge you to trust his word? 
challenge you. Jesus, challenge me to trust your word today. Maybe you've been challenged to trust his word and you feel like you're sinking. Maybe the prayer needs to be, Jesus, save me. I'm sinking. Save me. Don't turn back to the boat. Don't turn, try to swim out your own way. Turn back to Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, the altar's open. If we want to just take a few moments and pray. Come on, he's calling you to a step of faith. Step on out. Jesus is telling you to come. Come to me. Come to me. You can step out on the water. I won't let you sink. Come to me. Come to me. Father, my greatest fear is we would not have faith. That we would say we have it. That we would say we believe. We say we believe your word, but we would not show it in the way that we live it. Father, encourage them to call upon you for them to come out on the water. To step out into the supernatural, the area that they do not control, the area, the the place where only your word thrives and survives. Help us as we step out in faith today. Help them to step out in faith today. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Y'all, we got possibly two baptisms next Sunday, so be prepared to go out to the river. Hopefully we'll have a tide. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing. So you guys have a great week. Love y'all. Take steps of faith.
Jesus. 